I'll put your hands together and give him praise this morning, everybody. So good to be with the people of God in the house of God. Stand with me one more time, please. We're going to read this verse of Scripture for the last time. You probably, if you've been here every week, maybe if you've gotten five or six of them, you probably have it memorized by now. This is one that you can hide in your heart. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is the key text to this whole series. Let's read together. Here we go. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Bow your hearts with me. Gracious God, we thank you for the amazing gift that you've given to us in Jesus Christ. Corinthians calls him the unspeakable gift. Words can't describe him, God. Thank you that he came and not only was in the will of God, but he was the will of God. He demonstrated it in every aspect. Jesus, we just give you place. We give you preeminence. We lift you up and we say that you're Lord. You're Lord above all lords. You're king above all kings. You are God above all gods. Holy Spirit, reign in this place today. I just confess before you and everyone under the sound of my voice that I am absolutely nothing apart from you. But Lord, with you, I can do everything you've called me to do and be. Get in the middle of this. Just just do what your will and your desire is today. Lord, interrupt what I think it might be and just do your perfect will. Touch some hearts, change some lives, transform our thinking. Renew us today. We'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory and that will all go to Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. You have a copy of our summary there in your lap. We've um, been talking about guiding lights. How do we obtain guidance as uh, believers? What I've given you is actually a copy of how I plan out a series. This is sort of a flyover. This is a bird's eye view. When I plan a series and I know that I'm going to preach six weeks on a particular Bible topic or, uh, you know, exposit or expose a particular passage of scripture that is there, I have an objective. And I've never printed this in the bulletin, but if you'll just look with me there in your notes, it says the objective, this eight-part series, and technically today is number nine because we're doing a QA and a session to end it. The eight-part series is designed to bring clarity to specific biblical principles that together provide the believer with a check-and-balance system to aid in properly discerning the voice of the Lord for guidance concerning His will. How many of you need some of that? So the whole point of this series is to sort of stir you up. Peter wrote, and he said, to stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. And that pure mind is in you as in the mind of Christ. That's the one that you let this mind be in you. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 5. The key analogy is this. We've been talking every week, made some allusion to this, that the pilot of a jetliner, the objective that he has is to transport, to take off in one city and carry the cargo. If it's just merchandise, even more so, more importantly, if it is a 747 filled with people, hundreds of passengers, and they fly out of Heathrow in London, and they land in America, in New York, at LaGuardia. So once they've crossed the big pond, and they've encountered 
possibly weather conditions that they've had to navigate or fly around and they've come to New York City and they're circling and they're waiting for instructions that are going to come from a control tower. The pilot has a transmission system. He has a receiver on board that picks up the signal that's coming from the control tower. Now, you know this, it's obvious, but I'm speaking parabolically right now. I'm speaking in a parable. What I'm saying is that every one of you are a pilot. You're, you're, you're flying a plane and you have a direct connection to the control tower, which sends its signal from heaven. The voice of the Lord comes and gives you instructions on the decisions that you're making and you're wanting to land the plane safely according to the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. We've learned in the verse that we've been memorizing through this whole series that it's not about conforming to what everybody else is doing in the world, but it's about being transformed by the renewal of our mind and by that, by testing, we can discern what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. So what we're doing is we're waiting for a signal. We hear the signal. We have the equipment inside us as believers. David said to the Lord, you have lit my candle. Look at your neighbor right now and say, we all need to get lit. (laughs) Talking about by the Holy Ghost now. (laughs) Proverbs 20.27 says this, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. So your spirit literally is something that contains and gives forth light. When the light of the world comes into your world, then he lights up your darkness and he turns on your equipment, the receiver on the inside of you that enables you to receive the messages that are sent from the control tower in heaven. Come on, give God some praise. So we've been preaching this series. The object of the pilot is to line the nose of the plane and the landing gear up right in between a row of lights on both sides of what is called a runway. And he will land the plane by seeing himself right smack in the center of those lights. And we've been talking about guiding lights that are given to us in the Word. Job 32.8 says, But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. You have the equipment when you're born, but it doesn't get turned on until you are born again. Okay? Your spirit is dead to God. But then when God... inspires when he breathes into Greek word theonoustos all scripture is given by God breathing into so he breathes in he resuscitates your deadness and he makes you come alive in Christ by grace are you saved that's what Ephesians 2 says so this morning as we look at this we begin with number one the need for guidance or the principle of God's guidance children of Israel are in the Old Testament They've left Egypt. They're moving throughout the wilderness. They were delivered from Egypt by the blood, the water, and the spirit. And immediately as they came to the Red Sea, God had revealed himself in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And you know the story. It was the first HVAC system in the history of the world. It kept them cool in the daytime because of rising temperatures in a wilderness, desert, sand area. They're in the Middle East, of course. Moving out of Egypt, across the plain, the Sinai Peninsula, heading into, heading toward the promised land. Now, it's another whole series in itself that I'm going to redo maybe next year sometime called The Road to Maturity. Uh, That's when the Alfreds first came in in 95. That's been how long it's been since I've preached that. That was 17 years ago. Um, 
but great series showing us how God carries us along these ways and stations to bring us to maturity. So they've left Egypt and they're going through the wilderness and they've got a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And that's because during the daytime, the temperatures are soaring and at night by heat radiation, the temperatures drop sometimes below freezing. And so God leads them by a cloud by day and a fiery cloud by night. And so they have an outward external sign. When the cloud picks up and moves, they follow the cloud because they know that their protection, their guidance, their sustenance, the provision for all of their needs are tied to where the cloud is. Look at your neighbor and say, move with the cloud. In the New Testament, the cloud has moved inside. It's an internal cloud by the Spirit. We have received the Holy Spirit into us as new covenant believers. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But it's not just about a salvation experience. It's about an empowering experience. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be endued with power from on high. You'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, so there, we, have a, we, have, we have a need for guidance. Now the GPS system has moved inside. The God positioning system, the global positioning system, knowing where I'm supposed to go, getting guidance from God has moved inside. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Greek word weos which means the mature, full-grown sons of God, okay? You learn how to get there. You learn how to do that. Just like a little baby is born into a family and that baby can't go out and start the car and go to work, but that baby has to be trained. It grows. It experiences life. It falls down. It gets back up. He learns by experiences. In the same way, if you've come to Christ recently and you still are struggling with some things, realize that the love of the Father for you has never changed any more than yours does for your child when he or she starts to take the first steps to try to independently walk on his or her own. You don't get mad and take out a belt and push them back down because they made a mistake. We got to transform our thinking. We have to renew our mind to understand that as much as you love your earthly children, that does not even a drop in the bucket to how much your heavenly father is crazy about you. He has your picture on his refrigerator in heaven. That's got to be some kind of a refrigerator too. So we move from the need to guidance and we start talking about scriptural confirmation. Everything has to be checked by the word. Number one, this is actually number two in the series, but it's the first guiding light because the first one just set, up, set us up for the need for guidance or the principle of God guiding us. First guiding light is scriptural confirmation. This is what you should ask when you have to make a major decision. Look at your neighbor and say, what does the word say? We begin with this one because the word is our first place we go. Too many times I hear Christians say, well, you know what? I've tried everything else. I guess I'll pray and I will see what the Bible says. You know what? You've wasted your life. You've wasted time. You've wasted days that have become weeks, that have rolled into months, that have enveloped into years, that become decades. Before you know it, your allotted time is up because you didn't start out with what does the word say? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, Psalm 119, 105. Amy Grant wrote a great song that was very popular when I was in college, 79 through 83 at Arkansas State, and said, maybe it was a little bit later, I think it may have hit about 85. She said, thy word 
is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How many of you ever heard that song before? Thy word. Your word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. So we understand the principle of scriptural confirmation. That is objective truth. It is truth no matter what. You can't argue with it. There it is. Winston Churchill says the amazing thing about truth is that people may wrestle with it. They try to defame it. They try to change it. But there it is. It does not change. That is the unchanging stable, solid, steadfast, immovable word of God. Your word, O Lord, Psalm 119, verse 89, is forever settled in heaven. It does not change. Next one. We move from the word of the Lord in terms of scriptural confirmation to a subjective one. It's called the inward witness. Romans 8, 15 says, Your spirit, capital S, bears witness with our spirit, little s, that we are the children of God. It's, ladies call it an intuition. Guys, you call it a hunch. It's a gut feeling. It's just this overwhelming sense. It's something that you feel. And that's not just your ability to be able to make a proper judgment of the character of people. But that's a God-given gift. It is something that you sense. First John 2.20 calls it an unction. It says we have an unction of the Holy One and we know all things. Some of you go, now, wait a minute, you know what, I'm pretty confident, but I got sense enough to know I don't know all things. Well, yeah, but the one who does know all things is living down on the inside of your knower. Come on, if you're going to give him praise, let's do it really, for sure. Colossians, the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 3 says, In him, in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge about everything in the whole world is in Jesus, and Jesus is living on the inside of you, then where is all that treasure? It's down in you too. You just have to learn how to access it. You have to, Philippians 2, 5, let, allow, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2, 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But yes, we have the mind of Christ. You have to access it. Starts in the word, and then you learn to be renewed in your thinking. So we've moved from scriptural confirmation to inward witness. Number three, this one was the longest one, the longest message that I preached in this series because it's the one that we know the least about. Prophetic confirmation. God raises up prophets, Greek word prophetuo, who declare, set forth the word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, Brothers concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you to be agnueo. Greek word, which where we get our English word agnostic from it. King James says, Brothers, I would not have you to be ignorant. How many of you know that if he's writing to the church at Corinth saying, I don't want you to be ignorant, it's probably a pretty good indication that we are what? But how many of you know Jesus loves folks that are ignorant? Ignorant. He's just ignorant. (laughs) Pastor, how do you know Jesus loves folks that are ignorant? Because he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not. Jesus loves people who don't know. Because he wants to love them enough until they can know him. I didn't have, man, that's good. I like that right there. That'll preach. Lackey, write me a song on that. (laughs) Prophetic confirmation, dreams, visions, a word of the Lord during a sermon. 
It's an amazing thing how the Holy Ghost can get in the words that I'm speaking. Something will come over me and I'll say, I don't know who this is for. And you know what? I'll have five or six people that will come to me and they'll say, God really spoke to me during that message. And every one of them will have something different. Because God intricately and intimately knows all of the details of your life and the word that you need to hear that can be a confirming word so that you have the guidance that you're looking for and praying for. Can I have an amen? Next one. We move from prophetic confirmation to godly counsel. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 14 says, In the multitude of counselors there is safety. Proverbs 15.22 says, In the multitude of counselors there is victory. When a king goes to war, he doesn't just do it on his own, but he calls in his counsel. You need some godly counsel. It's one of the greatest benefits that you can have because these folks are going to tell you if they really love you and they love God, and that would be a prerequisite to be part of godly counsel. Now, these are not your best buds. This is not the dude who's on the same shift with you at the factory who 10 years ago went down and signed a card and shook a preacher's hand, but he's out homonging on his wife. Is that too plain? He's your buddy. He's your pal, but you know what? He's not godly counsel in your life. That one kind of bounced back. I'm going to dribble the ball and shoot for the hoop again. How many of you know some of you are asking the wrong folk? It's like the old country song, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Some of you are looking for guidance in the wrong spot. And don't just make it people your age group because they're not any farther down the road than you are. Wise up, young man. Listen to some folks that are older than you who've already run the race, been there, done that, and actually got the T-shirt and can tell you about it. Don't shout me down today, saints. Next one, number six, the peace of God. Colossians 3.15, it says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts by faith. The Greek word for rule is the word umpire. We spent a lot of years on the baseball field from T-ball up through competitive league, through high school ball with Drew. There were some umpires that I wanted to lay hands on a couple of times. Because <laughs> I was just sure that they were blind and needed some new sight. <laughs> I remember, Abby came along seven years later, which means that some of those early things that we did, we were seven years older. And when Abby was on the field playing t-ball, I looked at Dawn and I said, did we act like this when Drew was playing t-ball? She said, I didn't, but you did. <laughs> we got excited about our children. I'm having a good time this morning, are you? Anybody love Jesus in the room? Let the peace of God rule your hearts. Let the peace of God umpire. Do you have peace about your decision? Without going back and trying to re-preach that, on the ball field, the umpire calls the play safer out after the play's been run. But the Holy Spirit of God will call you safer out and say, no, stay on home. Don't run. Don't head toward that door. Don't make that decision. When you can't sleep at night and you don't have peace in your heart, it's probably a pretty good indication that the Spirit of God is trying to give you a guiding light, light it up in your life to say, this is not the will of the Lord for you. I have something better for you. Yes, it might be good. It's, it may not have anything to do with being bad, but sometimes it's not bad that tempts us. It's the good that is the enemy of the best when God has something out there that we haven't even begun to even think or dream about. All right. See, every one of these I just want to stop and preach, and I've got to go on. Number seven, provision. Proverbs 4, I'm sorry, Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all of your need 
according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Notice it didn't say all of your greed, but all of your need. Is there money there? Are the resources there? Look at your neighbor and say, where God guides, God provides. This is a revelation of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and provides. Finally, last one. We finished this up last week. Circumstantial evidence is everything working out. Probably the hardest one for me to preach because people sitting in this room have experienced the tragedy of the loss of a loved one who died accidentally in a car wreck. People who spent the last months or possibly a couple of years of their lives wrestling down a fatal disease. Uh, I love Brother Tommy Cunningham from years ago, pastored First Baptist Church. And he and I are friends on Facebook, and we were friends when he was here in, in West Memphis, and his wife Susan is battling ALS. And just hearing him daily share and ask for prayer, this Lou Gehrig's disease. And then you ask the question, when you go through things like that, you go, is God really working all things together? Because we have such struggles sometimes with tragedies. And how is it that we're able to put our trust in him who has promised that he will work all things together for good to them who love him, who are the called according to his purpose? This series is by no means exhaustive. It's a book. It needs to be a book. Because what I've given you is really just kind of a general overview of Scripture because there are numerous times that God guides people. Noah by a rainbow in the sky. Hezekiah by a word of the Lord and the sundial that moved back. And Joshua by the sun standing still. And a lot of great stuff that I would love to preach. But this morning, because we want to wrap this up and we want to make sure that this is intensely practical. And whatever questions that you might have, our goal and our desire... One of our core values here at Victory is equipping Christ followers to lead in every area of life. We've had a lot of folks who have become a part of this vision and joined the team in the last couple of years. Some great growth, and it's awesome to see that happening. But we would be missing the call of God on our lives if we just left everyone in a place of biblical immaturity as a new babe in Christ. We want to help you grow. We want to help you stand up and become a toddler and start taking steps and you start growing into a young man in the Lord, a young woman in, in Christ. You begin to mature spiritually and you begin to desire not just the sincere milk of the word any longer, but you start to eat the bread and the meat this is the challenge I have as a pastor. Every time I preach, there are people of varying and differing levels of spiritual maturity in the house, and the babes need the sincere milk of the word. Taste and see that the Lord is good, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.2. 2. There's some others that have grown some teeth, and maybe they're eating some of the bread of the word. And then there's some mature ones who need some meat in due season. And so what I try to bring to the table every time I preach is a good solid glass of the sincere milk and some good bread from heaven and a piece of meat in the middle of it. And we've got a sandwich, and we've got something at the table for everybody to eat so that you can grow in God. <laughs> Pastor Alex, would you come on this morning? I'm excited today to invite him to the platform with me as we take a few minutes we're going to devote about the next 20 or so to be able to answering some questions that uh, you may have regarding some of these guiding lights. Pastor Jeremy, come on, my brother. Excited to have these two men of God. I trust these fellas absolutely implicitly and just excited to be able to be serving with them. Would you give them a hand this morning?
Amen. All right. Just want to remind you guys, if you have a question, text it to 870-514-8687 or tweet it right there at Victory Wired. Just want to start off real quick uh, with a question here. It says, sometimes I pray a lot about a decision and it doesn't feel like God is answering me. Why? I've been talking for 20 minutes. Jump on this one, Pastor. Check, check. Well, I would say that, what was the question? <laughs> I would say that God's got your best interest in mind. God works everything together uh, for good of those that love him. And um, it may be that it's not in your best interest at this point for him to answer that question the way that you're praying it. Uh, sometimes God walks you through valleys uh, to increase your faith. He certainly does me. Um, you know, there's times where you say, God, you know, you're just reaching out, you're praying for a specific thing, you want it so bad, but at the same time, God knows it's not what's best for you at that time, because if you were to get it, why, you might not trust in him as much. So I think he, he grows our faith through his timing. His timing is always right. It's always right on time. So it's just an opportunity to trust more in God, because a lot of times we, we look at people or circumstances, and, and we, we look at those things as being set against us. But if you're a believer in Jesus... You know, God's working all that together for your good and his glory. So uh, you just have to trust in him more, really dig in and say, God, you know, I don't, this is a prayer I pray a lot. God, I don't understand what you're doing here, but Holy Spirit, help me to, uh, to have peace in it, Lord, and to, and to teach me things according to your word. Amen. Three things. Great answer. Awesome. Number one, understand 1 Peter 3 says, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Whether you feel like it or not, what does the word say? The word says he's listening. Isaiah 59 says his ear is not heavy that he cannot hear and his hands not shortened that he cannot save. Now, Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Another translation gives it to us a little better. It says, if I cherish sin in my heart, if I've got something in the secret closet of my life and I'm guarding it and I'm keeping it going, well, you know what? This is my stress relief and I need this. And you start justifying. The only prayer God's going to hear you pray is when you make up your mind to say, God, I repent, forgive me. Let's get this mess out of my life. That's good right there. Until you pray that, he doesn't hear anything else you got to say. You might have an idol in the mix. Great, man. Awesome. Last thing, third thing, God is like a traffic light. He always will answer your prayer. It may not be the one you want, but if it's his will, he will give you a green light and he'll say, go ahead. If, if the timing is not right, and that's the issue, it may be the will of the Lord be saying, wait, it's not time yet. You might have a caution light, a yellow light that'll go on in your heart or your life. Or if it's just flat no, you might get a red light. Now, the issue is, is that too many times, we, like children, think that if we can just keep stomping our feet and demanding like a three-year-old does in Walmart. I was in there the other day, and I thought, man, I need to minister to that child because that poor mama doesn't know what she's doing. I went right on, kept my mouth shut. Not any of my business. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. That child needed some pastoral ministry from the, st from the staff of the shepherd your rod and your staff, they correct me. Whap. <laughs> what was I saying? Before I walk through the valley of Walmart. <laughs> That's right. 
just check your lights. Is it red? Is it yellow? Is it green? Amen. Awesome. All right, we have another one here. What if I make a wrong decision and realize it later? Will God curse that? Well, I would, be a f- I would back up from using the word curse. Um, first of all, because as a believer, and I'm talking this morning assuming that I have a room full of believers. And if you're not this morning, I will give you an opportunity at the close of the service to become related to God, to become part of his family, to become one of his children. But as the family, as, the, as, the, as born into the family, you have a father who has an amazing ability to work all things together for your good. Even when you make a bad decision, he can teach you a lesson through the process and turn it around so that you learn something that you could have never learned from a Sunday school lesson or a textbook. But the greatest teacher is life experience, and especially when you can go to the word and confirm it. Let me just say this. The mistakes that we make, even as believers, God is big enough to redeem them. And he's designed the universe with this thing called uh, cause and effect. Okay? Not, not to go all physics on you here. But Newton told us that for every action, there is a corresponding and equal reaction. And that's just basically the biblical principle of the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. You sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you reap everlasting life. Well, guess what? There may be a temporary curse, and I hate to use that word, but it's like an adjustment. There is a blessing on obedience. When you disobey, there are consequences. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, there are consequences. Actions have consequences. It's like the banker who said he was had his apprentice, and the apprentice wanted to know how the banker became so successful because he was investing and he was a millionaire, and he, he the young guy, you know, really wanted to, to be able to succeed as well. And he said, "How did you get to be so successful?" He said, "About making good decisions." And the young man asked the banker, "Well, how did you learn how to make good decisions?" He said, "By making some bad ones." So life happens, people. But, you know, when you're in the middle of it, it's like the guy said, you know what, if I, when I'm, whenever I'm in the middle of hot water, I just decide to go in and take a bath. Get out of it all that you can. Learn from the experience. Move on. God will teach you and train you because he loves you. You're his child. Amen. Amen. All right. We've got a question here. It says, I feel so lost and empty. I have prayed and tried to get into the word. I need help. What do I do to get the understanding of the word? Well, I would pray uh, that the Holy Spirit would reveal um, that to you. God gives wisdom. He gives insight. He gives counsel. And so you you pray to, uh, if you're a believer, as Mike said, you now have the gift of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. And he's the one that will teach you anything that you're going to be able to learn about God. So he's going to reveal himself to you. And so I would pray for that if if you're if you're in a place where you feel dry, I mean, there's, let me say this. So there's times when everyone has dry periods. I'm sure Mike does. I do where there's, where there's time where the word is just like a, you know, a fountain and it's just pour, like a waterfall pouring in. There's times where, you know, you, you go through dry, dry spells. And so you have to reach out and a prayer I pray is, you know, God, give me, increase my faith, you know, increase my faith. Help me to uh, understand your will, Father, for my life. And, um, you know, there, there are times that we go through deep, valleys and and i think those are the times that we just reach out in faith and say god i don't have it today you know i need you more today holy spirit fill in my faith and show me the things that i can't see and just and just really trust in him because you know when you really lean on jesus uh 
you know, it kind of brings you to a place of humility, which is where God really wants us anyway, right? One line. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. It's not how you feel. And sometimes there's some dark, not feeling good places. And you just have to decide, God, I can't see it, but I put my trust in you. And if you keep walking like that, you know what? The darkest hours are just before the dawn of a new day. So you just keep pressing and light will break through. Amen. Good stuff. All right, so how do I find godly men to give me counsel? Everyone I know is living wild. <laughs> you got the wrong crowd, brother, <laughs> sister. <laughs> uh, you got something on that? Are you insinuating that I may have a wild life in my past? <laughs> I'm just asking a question. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you hit on it. Who are you hanging out with, man? I mean... <laughs> You know, you have to surround yourself with people that love God, right? I mean, and you have to seek them out. You can't keep running with the old crowd that you always ran with because, you know, um, they're going to influence you. They're, it just, it's your human, you know, it's human nature. You're going to be influenced by the people that you hang out with. So try to be around people that love Jesus uh, more than anything else and more than you, actually. So then they'll point you towards him instead of towards something else. I mean... When I have a tough time, which is about every third day, that's on the record, you know, what I'll do is, you know, the first person I call is my mama. I mean, there's no prayers more powerful than my mother's prayers. That's I'm going right. to tell you that right now. So if y'all need to hook up, call her. Uh, and then, hey, mama. And then if, if she hasn't already called Clint, I'll call him <laughs> and ask to pray. And then I'll call Mike and I'll say, I need prayer. Well, my wife's already praying. And, and so you want to ask for the prayers of the saints and even another cool thing is, is other people will be praying for you. Like I was talking to Carol Daigle this morning. She's like, you know, I had you on my heart this week. I've been praying for you. I'm just going, wow, thanks, because I needed it. I forgot to call you. But the Holy Spirit will put people in your life that can pray for you, and you ain't got it, you know, because you're running on fumes sometimes, right? And so um, there, have people that you can reach out to and ask for prayer and, and ask for strength and, and always try to hang out with people that love Jesus more than they do you. Good answer. Great stuff. All right, so I've been trying to make a business decision, and I've been praying about it. How do you know when God tries to help with the decision? How do you hear him? Well, I mean, that these are seven major decisions that you have here. Unfortunately, there's not a place that you can turn to um, called the Harvard Business section of the Bible that's going to tell you don't go that way. Obviously, you're having to rely on a gut feeling that's based on having been a part of a business. I mean, it's like builders right now. It's just not happening. The economy's not there. And so you're looking to make a decision that's based on some wisdom. Knowledge is one thing. Wisdom is something entirely different. You may have an amazing knowledge of a field, but wisdom is the ability to apply that knowledge as it is required. And so when you're looking to make a decision business decision, personal decision, whatever, you're looking. To, that's why you want to try to get some godly counsel. You, you want to hear from others. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Uh, in the multitude of counselors, there's victory, is what that other verse says. It's talking about a king going out to war. Have some people that are in the same business that you are, that are good godly people, and talk to them about it. And then you're looking for some confirmation. What's the umpire saying? Do you have peace of God? Don't. Let me say this. You can sit there like Monty Holland, let's make a deal. I guess it's the, the new black guy now, Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady, on let's make a deal. And you can sit there looking at door number one, door number two, number three. 
Dr. Billy Graham said it this way, God can't guide something that's not in motion. Start the car and put it in drive and get up and make a decision. And guess what? If you put your faith and your trust in God and you say, Lord, I just trust that you're going to guide me, you may have to make a turn at some point. And you're headed that way. But in the process, something else gets revealed that shows you that's not the best for you. Here it is over here. You cannot stay in one spot in a place of inactivity and expect God to give you a map showing you the next 19 steps that you're supposed to take. If you haven't obeyed the last one he's given you to do and you're just sitting there, why would God invest the time to give you the next three? This thing is about faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Come on, somebody. Help me a little bit this morning. That's right. We take a step of faith. How do you spell risk in the kingdom of God? How do you spell faith? It's spelled R-I-S-K. Peter got out of the boat when everybody else was saying, get your carcass back in here. But he heard a word from Jesus. Jesus said, come to me. He gets out of the boat and he had faith that he walked on on the water. Get out of the boat. Take the step. God will lead you in the process. Amen. Looks like we have time for one more. It says, what if you are completely falling on your face spiritually? There doesn't appear to be much fruit on the vine. But you've walked with the Lord before, but you don't feel like a new creation. The desire is there, but the follow-through isn't quite there. Well, um, I would say that the vine has a lot of fruit (laughs) because he's Jesus Christ. There's no, no lack of fruit in him. And so it may be, it sounds like that person may be trying to rely on their own strength too much and then to give it on up to the Lord, uh, and humble themselves in his sight and, and, and become like he did and considered himself nothing and, and, and began to, you know, trust in the will of his father. And, And so sometimes we, we have to get to that place of brokenness. Sometimes when someone calls me and asks for advice, I'll say, you know, you're not broken yet. You're not broke. You've you got to reach the place where you realize that you have no strength upon uh, your own natural resources. You have no power in yourself apart from God. And that brokenness will bring you a place to a place of humility. And Jesus said he will exalt those that are humbled, right? I mean, he, he who is first will be last. He who wants to save his life for his own sake will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will gain it. And so this is an inverse uh, fidelity that we have in our culture, in our, in our world that's based on success, which says, you know, I need to try harder. I need to pull myself up by the bootstraps. I need to do better. I need to work harder. Uh, and that's inverse to the kingdom of God, which says is, you know, humble yourself and trust God to do it for you. And he's done everything that needs to be done in Jesus Christ. He's done every single thing that needs to be done. And so you just have to trust in him. And that's what it means to walk with the spirit of God. Amen. Looks like that's all the questions we have. Just want to remind you guys, if you want to hear more of this series, you can go to victorywire.com, click on the messages, and then click on that podcast button there. All right. God is good. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. This is one of multitudes of verses that we never touched during this series, and the spirit of the Lord just brought it to my remembrance. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. King James says, I will guide you with mine eye. Verse 9 is very interesting. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be guided. ESV says, curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. 
Too many times we have been guilty of pulling against the direction of the Lord and we've got this bit and this bridle in our mouth and we're trying to fight against because we've not submitted to the discipline of what the Lord is bringing in our lives to grow us up. I mean, it's like when you leave home and you're paying all your own bills and, and you're making your decisions and you're, you're bringing in the bacon and you're frying it up in a pan and you're, you're doing everything that now as a grown man, a grown woman does. Those are places that we, we start to learn and we don't want to pull against the will of God. We want to submit because life doesn't have to be hard. We make life. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. When we break the law of God, hard things happen to us. When we submit to the Lord and we let God for a season train us by putting a bit and bridle in our mouths so that we can learn to be guided, then I believe that he comes to a place where he says, I trust you. It's not just us trusting God, but the question this morning is, can God trust us? Can he know that when we say something that our word is good, that we will follow through? You know, that whole thing begins in chapter 32, verse 1, where it says, Blessed is the man whose iniquity is forgiven and his transgression is covered. Is that your testimony this morning? Do you stand before God being covered by the blood of Jesus? Or is there an open book of accusation? The law, God's holy character, his righteous nature that shows everything that we've done wrong. None of us in our own strength can keep the perfect law of God. Only one person has done that. And he's lived. He did not come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. Every I dotted, every T crossed, every jot and every tittle. Scripture says heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will not pass away. His law, his law word is there. This morning, every one of us, apart from Jesus, stand condemned already. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son shall not see life, and the wrath of God abides on him already. Some of us in this room, Romans 2 says we're storing up wrath for the day of wrath. The way you're living, you've got a savings account, and you're not saving good stuff. You're saving hell you're saving, storing up wrath for the day of wrath. And until every one of us comes squarely in face with the fact that we will, every one of us, stand before God in the judgment seat. And if we stand in our own strength and our own defense, our eternal future is in a bad situation. But Jesus has come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. You, you are in one of two camps this morning. Either you have him in your heart or you don't. And I beg you. I beseech you, don't continue to walk the way of the transgressor. Get your heart right with Jesus. Be the blessed man whose iniquity is forgiven and his transgression is covered. And then don't be like a horse or a mule that kicks against and pulls against the guidance of God. Sometimes it's we just plow right on through ahead and do everything we want to. And guess what? God is so good that he lets us actually experience all of those bad decisions and they just come rolling on in us, on us. And at any point, we can make a fresh start. We can say, God, I don't want to keep making. I don't want to be rebellious. I don't want to kick against you. I don't want to be like the horse or the mule 
that's fighting against the guiding system of God. I want to do your perfect will. It's amazing how God starts to bring circumstances in line for the person who makes that decision to put Jesus first. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You've heard a series that the word has been intensely projected and promoted and propagated. You've heard a quick understanding of the gospel right here at the close of this service. The wages of sin is death. If you're working and earning, doing anything in your own strength, you're going to earn a paycheck and it's called eternal death. But the rest of that verse says, but, I love that interruption, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a choice there. You can keep working and earn death, or you can reach out by faith and take the gift of God that is eternal life in Jesus Christ. It's as simple as saying, I'm a mess, take my life, turn me around. I turn from my past and I turn to you, Jesus. That's what repentance means. And I fling myself at the foot of the cross and I say, I believe, I put my trust in you. Change my heart, change my life. You don't have to know Bible verses. You don't have to understand theology. You just need to have a heart that says, Jesus, save me. Those are three words that are critical. That's what you say in your own heart. Turn this mess around and that I have made in my life. I want to know you, God. When you do that, he breathes into your life. The deadness comes alive. And he turns on that equipment so that you can hear the voice of the Lord from heaven, from the control tower, and you start landing the plane in the, in the runway lights. You learn how to walk with him. We're not seeking any of these lights. We're seeking the guide. You, you get with some of your buddies and you go up to Colorado and you take a trip, a whitewater rafting trip down the Colorado River. You have a guide in the boat with you. This morning, just want to know, in your journey in life, is Jesus in the boat with you? Because that's the bottom line, most important question that I'll ever ask you. Is he in the boat with you? And he gets in by just saying, Jesus, come into my heart, save me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you one time, if you'd like to be included in this prayer, I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I'm not going to call you to the front. I just want to say, if you'd like to be included in this prayer, by just to signifying by your faith, you're saying, I'm making this decision. I'm turning. Pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up right where you are right now? Yes. I'm, there's several hands around the room. Yes. Thank you. All right. Talking to believers now. I've been walking with the Lord for any period of time. And you've heard this this morning, you've been here for the whole series or maybe part of it, and you just know that it's more than just coming to church on Sunday, but it's about a real relationship that's growing. And some of you are just saying, you know what, I really want to get to know the guide. It's not about trying to check off, is that light lit or not? But it's about, do I, am I really walking and growing in a relationship with this one that I know that already is my Savior? Anybody in the room? Would you just like to be included in this prayer this morning? Would you just say, you know what? I just, I'm just asking God to, f to pour out his Holy Spirit on me afresh. To just ignite my guidance system. Give me a tune-up because I've got some decisions to make. Anybody, just lift your hand. Several around the room. All right. Every head still bowed. Every eye closed. I'm praying with the first group that raised your hands this morning. You're putting your trust in Jesus. 
Just pray these words. Jesus, save me. Come into my heart. Change me. I turn from the mess of my life and I turn to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide me and guard me. Let me be all that you've called me to be in Jesus' name. For the saints this morning in the second prayer, you've raised your hand. God, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you just give them a tune-up in their equipment, blow through them, wind of the Holy Spirit in a new and a fresh way. Lord, some of them are weary and they need, they need refreshing. Lord, they need a cool drink of water from the stream just to be guided by you, the good shepherd that would lead them in paths of righteousness and cause them to lay down in green pastures and beside cool, still waters. Refresh the hearts of your people this morning. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon each of us and let us be everything you've called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said.